Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's show, a family hears more than the ocean in their rented coastal vacation home. Could a deceased employee love his job so much? That he still goes to work. And a grandfather walks in the front door in his usual attire to greet his family. Only thing is, Grandpa's been dead for weeks. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. And good day. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. And you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm enjoying this the fresh scent of peppermint twist over there is that pepper is that what that is it's I don't twisted peppermint. oh twisted peppermint little we gotta we gotta move into the spring lotion line now I think because it's a little Christmassy okay a little Christmassy we'll get a new one for me what's yeah. what do they have for the spring sense is it like molding moss <laughs> uh, ragweed no yeah ragweed That'd they be great have all kinds of flowery stuff yeah I just I like my peppermint I'm just kidding. I really don't mind it. Okay. So we, right. you can you can stay Christmassy all. If we're gonna do ghosts all year, you can have part of the show be all Christmas all year over there. But what the listeners don't know, because obviously they can't see us, is that every day when we're starting the show, I have this bottle of lotion mm-hmm. that I keep right here by my mic, and I always put it on. And I love peppermint, and so I also have peppermint chapstick that I put on. Well, they they know. I mean, this is there is there's the HD version of the show where scents are emitted from their mobile devices. So anything that's scented in our room while we're recording, it comes out of those special devices. I see. It's very special. See, if I kept saying that, and I we and I did just we just moved on, I would eventually get an email from my mom going, "How do I get that to work on my uh, on my tablet?" Your mom would know that that's bogus. <laughs> I'm kidding. She knows you too well. I'm gonna get an email about that that comment though, right there, where it's like, "I am not. I I know better than that, Tony." <laughs> just wait. Ah, uh, yes. 855-853-4802. 
is the phone number to Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you care to keep our show on the air and uh, want to uh, continue to listen to the show well into the future, well, hey, consider becoming an EPP. We are always in need of more EPPs as the show grows. So do the costs of uh, getting it out there in bandwidth and such. So please consider becoming an EPP. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Ben! writes in. We'll uh, kick it off with him, and uh, we'll start with Ben saying, Hey, guys. I had a creepy occurrence happen to me a couple years ago. I was 12, and my family went to a small little fishing island off the north coast of... off the course... Uh, off the coast of North Carolina. There we go. I was trying to say, like, north coast or something. No, I trust you can get through the first sentence. Coast of North Carolina. We stayed in a house near a bay, and we all thought it was nice, but... About the third night we stayed there, my dad said that he saw a white figure run into his bathroom. He didn't know what it was and just went back to bed. The same night, he and my mother said that they heard an old school bell exactly at 3 a.m. They couldn't pinpoint where the sound was coming from, but they are sure it was not a hallucination. We woke up the next morning in the wa- to the water running in the downstairs bathroom. No one turned it on because we all had rooms in the top floor and used the top floor bathroom. The next night, both my parents heard the school bell at 3 a.m. again. Then a couple of minutes after, both of the lights next to their beds turned on at exactly the same time. I was in another room sleeping, so I didn't see it, but they were not joking. We started to investigate a little bit about the house, and finally we found in the basement of the house that there was a little sign which said, In memory of the Johnson family. We researched some more, and it turns out the family who had two twin sisters at the age of 14, which died in a plane crash along with the parents. Do you guys think that the sisters could have been the ones who turned on the lights? Anyway, thanks for listening to my experience. Love the show. Keep up the good work, guys. I don't know if it was the sisters that turned on the lights or not. Um, There was a whole family there. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. What I don't understand is the sound of the school bell. At 3 a.m. I mean, 3 a.m. is always a very nefarious hour if you're going to have anything ominous happening. Uh, That's usually not a good thing. Um, I I have no idea. I mean, I wonder if there was a plane crash at that hour or something. If that correlates somehow, that'd be interesting to look into. Yeah. Um, If the death occurred around that time or if, you know, I don't know. I mean, that would be something to see if you can make some sort of association there. Not that you're going to know for sure why the hell you're hearing that, but it would make a little more sense. Yeah, I I think it, you know, I think the occurrences probably do have something to do with the family. Mm -hmm. But it's just strange. It doesn't really, it's not like a, oh, I get it. Yeah. Because I don't. I think my stomach would drop if I was going through the basement. And I suddenly see a plaque. I mean, it's one thing to like in loving memory of so-and-so. Single name here, you know. Okay, maybe they really like this house and they passed away. Not such a bad thing. Older homes, I can see that sort of stuff happening. Little plaques, whatever. It's fairly normal if you get to a home of a certain age. When you see in memory of the entire family... (laughs) I was just like, what the hell happened here? You know, and it didn't even happen there. Yeah. But when you suddenly have, like, the whole family was wiped out, well, that's interesting. That's not one you see every day. Yeah, and especially if you're on a family vacation. You yeah. know, you just automatically think, wow, the last family that stayed here, they all died. 
<laughs> even though that wasn't the case, well, but like, that would be your first thought. It's like listed on the uh, the rental website that uh, this is, you know, great three bedroom rental on the coast. You know, then uh, <laughs> stay there in loving memory of the Johnsons. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, interesting stuff, though. Be uh, if you can find out more about that plane crash, let us know. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. That's our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. You can also write it on the website, like Melissa did. Melissa says hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, happy uh, Triskaidekaphobia. <laughs> What's that one? Triskaidekaphobia. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. Well, this story was written into us on Friday the 13th and that is the fear of the number 13. Oh, I think I read it wrong. Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia, right? Uh-huh. Okay. That's fear of Friday the 13th. No, it's fear of the number 13. So oh, like just that they're, okay. staying on the 13th floor, anything that has to do with the number 13. I always use like 13 as my lucky number. You and Taylor Swift. Three and 13 were the two that I, if I had to pick numbers, those would be the ones that I usually pick. Yeah. I never pick lucky numbers, but, and I, <laughs> and I, and I have no real reason for those numbers. I, like, I've never anything lucky happen to me using them. I just, I don't know. I just thought, well, no one else usually uses those, so I'm going to. And I wasn't like, oh, they're unlucky. I didn't really know that at the time. I just thought, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I grew up in a family of three, so I think maybe that's where I picked that. Sure. Um, and 13, it's just kind of a, you know, derivative. Oh, yeah. So. Mm. Okay. So, anyhow, my name is Melissa. I found your podcast in iTunes when you were recommended to me while I was listening to another paranormal podcast. I've been binge listening for weeks. I've uh, even listening to you while I'm typing this. See, that's a prime example of how folks find us when people leave nice reviews and give us stars and such. So that's that's the importance why we ask you to do that is because people then find the show. We get more listeners and more good stories. Yep, they turn so, around and write in. That's how that all works. So if you do listen to us on iTunes, uh, including you, Melissa, please consider giving us a positive review there, some stars. That helps grow our community. So thank, and thank you and please, because a lot of people have already done it. Uh, I've talked about you to my friends and co-workers, and my sister has uh, started binge listening too. Currently live in uh, Long Beach, California, and work on the Queen Mary. Yes, I really do. It's awesome. <laughs> we have listeners on the Queen Mary. My story, however, takes place in my hometown in Fairfax, Virginia, in a movie theater I worked at for several years. When I first started there, everyone would mention that the theater, a three-screen, 35-millimeter independent community theater, was haunted, that you could see a phantom man in Theater 3, and that things would move around the projection booth. The story goes that an employee and projectionist named Herbie likely sometime in the 90s, was on his way to work when he got into a deadly car crash. But he could still be seen at the theater for years afterwards. I could never confirm that there used to be an employee by that name and had never had anything happen to me, even after I became a night manager, and would even stay after hours by myself in the darkened lobby doing schoolwork. I never really believed in Herbie, but I would, however, give respect to our potential ghost by saying, Good night! And I'd leave, or could you please stop messing with the projectors, please? When our old 1970s projectors would act up one day, around six months before I moved, I told a friend of mine who worked at the coffee shop above us, we were on the bottom of a two-level strip mall, the story of her ghost, since she hadn't heard it before. 
My friend is quite religious and, after the story, asked if she should bring holy water to the theater and bless it. I said, no, no, Herbie's a nice ghost. Just treat him with respect. Later on that night, she got off at 10 and came down to hang out with me and the two co-workers who got off at 10.30. I asked my friend from the coffee shop to tell my co-workers what she told me earlier. Before I tell you what happened next, let me describe our food counter. Facing the end of the lobby on the right are the popcorn warmers and the soda fountains. On the left is the fridge, cabinets, and a mini ice cream freezer. The freezer sits on the counter and has a plastic sign on top so things don't fall off it. When we related her comments from earlier, she changed her mind about our ghost and said she felt he was more of a demon. She definitely needed to bring holy water to cleanse the theater. Immediately after she said this, a kid's pack, a children's popcorn tray, that was sitting on top of the freezer suddenly jumped up over the sign and onto the middle of the floor. There's no way it could have done this or that on its own, and it had never happened before. While everyone else was very scared, I was actually laughing. My co-workers ran out, but one had forgotten something and came back and walked behind my friend, which scared her even more. I then actually fell out of my chair laughing. My friend wanted to leave immediately, but I told her, Oh no, you don't insult Herbie. Piss him off and leave me alone with an angry ghost. You're staying here until I close and apologizing. Needless to say, she came up to the projection booth with me at close apologized, and even prayed for Herbie. I'll say that for weeks afterwards, I spent less and less time there after hours by myself because if it felt as if something didn't want me there, as if Herbie was mad at me. Well, that's my story. Hope you liked it. I haven't yet seen anything on the Queen Mary, but I do have some really interesting, albeit creepy, EVPs from our Paranormal Investigations Tour I'd love to share. Just let me know the best way to send you wave files. I also have a really creepy picture, too. Feel free to contact me if you have any questions, and I plan on becoming an EPP soon. Melissa. P.S. number one. Tony, I remember you trying to make a theme for Ouija Love, and I think the tune of Radar Love could work for you. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> PS2, could you give me an early birthday shout out to my personal doppelganger and twin, uh, Alicia? Three, check out Paranormal Underground's radio's episodes on Robert the Doll. Talk about creepy. Interesting. That's a topic actually I'd love to talk about more um, on this show is Robert the Doll. That'd be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, to have a, a show about. So maybe we'll uh, we'll do that as well. Uh, so thank you uh, for uh, writing in, Melissa. We really do appreciate that. And we would love to uh, to see those pictures and hear those EVPs. You can uh, email them uh, to myself or Jenny. Uh, mine is uh, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at Real Ghost Stories Online. And Jenny is uh, Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. That's how you spell your name, correct? That's correct. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Two N's and a Y. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. Make sure. uh, so anyhow, those are the, some places you can send that stuff. And actually, the other night we were talking about the Queen Mary. And I said it would be awesome to have a, uh, a tour guide on the show sometime. Somebody that gives ghost tours. Sure. So, Melissa, since you happen to be on the same vessel that these people work on, <laughs> um, if you can do a hookup there to get us in contact with someone... Uh, we would absolutely love that. I think it'd be really interesting. You know, they can plug the tours. I mean, it's kind of a plug because we're talking about the ghost tours in itself. But I would just love to hear some of those stories. And then I'd like to share some of the stories we've heard on the show. And, and maybe, you know, out of curiosity, maybe some of them will match up. You know, there's a, there's a lot of tour guides. I'm sure that do that on that boat. But, you know, some of the stuff we've heard, you know, pretty creepy. 
oh yeah and out there so i'm wondering if they're kind of some of the more standout incidents yeah um or if something similar has happened so anyhow melissa uh, email us and uh, let's talk further about the undead Shall we? I think so. All right. 855-853-4802. That's our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to Jenny, also with a Y, in Pennsylvania. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jesse calling from Pennsylvania. Jesse! Um, calling about an experience that I had probably about a year and a half ago. Well, it was about a year and a half ago. And I was taking my dogs outside and... Um, to go outside, there is a laundry room that you have to go through. And it was dark out, and the light was on in the laundry room because I had just been in there. So I was sitting on the porch waiting for my dogs to do their business, and I saw this black shadow, like, block out the light from the doorway. And I thought, oh, my mom must be in there, like, folding laundry or something, checking the dryer. I didn't really know. And I turned around to look, and there's nobody in the laundry room. So I turned back around, and I was waiting for the dog still, and it, it happened again. And it, I mean, it had, like, a humanish form. It looked like um, a, a guy to me, a man. I don't know for sure, but that's just what it reminded me of. So... I thought, well, that was really weird. And I came inside and I asked my mom, I said, were you in the laundry room? And she said, no. She was sitting there watching the news, so she hadn't even gotten up. And I thought, well, that was weird. So I told her what I saw, and she's like, that's that's strange. Um, And mentioned that she had been hearing noises in our hallway, which... Is something that we're used to because when we first moved in, um, we would always hear like clicks or certain noises in the in the hallway. Um, one distinct noise we heard was a Zippo lighter clink, and nobody smoked in the house or even had a lighter like that that they used. Um, and we really noticed it. Whenever, whenever my dad had had a heart attack and he was in the hospital, so he wasn't there. He was the only one that had a Zippo, and he wasn't smoking at this time whenever we started hearing it. So we started calling that guy, or that guy, I guess we assume it's a male. We started calling him the soldier because the Zippos were big, you know, with the World War II, I believe it was. And um, we would also hear up in bedroom that I slept in, you could hear someone pacing constantly at night. But, anyway, you know, she had mentioned, we hadn't heard anything in a while, and she had mentioned, you know, she didn't heard noises in the hallway, and, you know, we thought, oh, well, that was just a little weird. Okay, no big deal. I went to talk to um, my friend that night, who is um, from a long line of shaman, Native American shaman, and he said, there's something in your house, like a dark mass, just kind of floating, floating around. And I said to him, I know. I said, I saw a shadow. And I was telling him, you know, about the whole thing. And um, he said, hmm, it's weird. I don't know what it is. And I said, well, me either, me either. And kind of got like a weird feeling about it. And 
then I said a few minutes later, I was like, I hope it's not like death or something. And he's like, well, I didn't want to say anything, but it might be. So I was like, oh no, just, you know, worried about everybody. Like, oh my gosh, I hope they're okay. And checking on everyone after that. And um, here what, what ended up happening is three days later after this, I had to take my dog to the vet and he was 10 and a half and he wasn't feeling too well, but he, um, I had to put him down because he had some kind of cancer and he was just miserable and there wasn't really anything anybody could do for him at that point. So I put him down and two days later, my grandmother died. I know it sounds like a bad country western song. You know, your dog dies, your grandma dies. I guess somebody needs to be hit by a train. I'm not really sure. Thankfully, nobody was. Thankfully, nobody was. But it was just kind of weird. And whenever I told my friend, I said, you know, I had to put my dog down today. And he goes, three days. And I said, three days? And he's like, yeah, three days. Um, he goes, that was death at your house. And I was like, oh, my so just a little bit creepy, and I think that's all I have right now. Um, guys, have a great day. Thanks for doing the show. I love listening to you, and I am an EPP, so, yeah, keep it up. I love it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us. And inevitably, I'm trying to find some country westernish music. Some scary country western music. Well, I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to get uh, scary that fast. But uh, let's see here. I have to turn this volume up here. The dog just died, and then I don't know what else was. What was she saying? Grandma died. Okay. So it's not so funny. Dog died. There was a black entity in my house. Then it took Farfall away from us Grandma too And I'm out of beer nuts So let's go get some at the true value You like that? No, not at all it was special <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that That's kind of how country music is Except if Toby Keith was singing it There would be liquor involved at some point in time <laughs> and the word trailer. Okay. It's, this is how all the songs have been. I know. It's I a, know. Yeah. It's a Toby Keith recipe for a hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, I, do you believe, it, I mean, it, it's interesting and like essentially like a Grim Reaper type thing. Uh-huh. But it wasn't, I mean, other than the dog, it wasn't like reaping on any person in her household. No, but people... That she had an attachment to, obviously sure. the grandmother and sure, sure. the dog. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad it didn't go in threes. There wasn't anything else that happened. What's the what? I mean, everybody says that, and it does seem to kind of happen. I don't know if it's just because we're more cognizant than of it, and it's like, oh, three, okay, three, we're done. What is the the background on that of why? People seem to think that death happens in threes. No, it's not so much death. It's bad things. Bad, bad things, things happen. happen in threes. Okay. Death obviously can be a bad thing. Sure. 
I don't know why that is, but there just seems to be that pattern enough to where people mm-hmm. believe in that, especially if you're superstitious. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a superstition of some sort, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder what it... Someone can fill us in. I what does it date to? Yeah, I don't know the background on it, that. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> I was going to say, I tend to, to subscribe to that, but I don't really know that... I feel a lot of peace after that third thing happens. I'm like, okay, all better. Thank God that last person died. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that. But it, I mean, it comes to my mind, like when there's a celebrity death or something, you sure. know, it's like, okay, like we got two of them done on Farrah Fawcett and Michael Jackson day. But then it was like, all right, who's the next one? I don't even know what the next one was, but it was like, it did come to mind and my own morbid, weird sense of thinking was all right, that's two pretty quick. Uh, next week or so, who's likely to go? It's like uh, Casey Kasem, Dick Clark. I don't know. Dick Clark might have been dead by that point. I don't know. I lied. No. He was I close to. I, I think he was still kind of rocking the new year, but it was not a great uh, So how often do you think people see Shadow Person and it could be a death type of figure? And not just like a haunting yeah, like yeah. in this case where they suspect that that was actually a death figure because mm-hmm. they don't usually see shadow people in that house. I could see that being a fairly common thing, and a lot of people just write it off as a ghost. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more of a warning. It's yeah. a ghost. I mean, it's a paranormal something. But maybe it, the the more sporadic ones where it's like, I saw the dark thing and it never happened again. I don't know why or what. Maybe that was a foreboding sign of something, and maybe the dots were not necessarily connected. Yeah. That could be, but I wouldn't think if you saw a shadow person on a regular basis that it would be... It's a lot of death. Nah, I'd, yeah. I don't... Well, it depends on where you are in the sure. situation, I guess. No, I agree. I mean, I think the regular occurrences mm-hmm. may just be something different, but if it's a sporadic, it could just be that. I don't know. It's an interesting phenomenon. It is. You know, it, and then like how far remotely it, it connects to those that end up getting affected by it. You know, I, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm not dismissing it. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very hard to define when it's happening, what it actually means. Uh, Marley writes in, hey, Tony and Jenny, it's Marley again. You featured my story about the car following three girls around on Halloween. Did some research and couldn't find anything about Satanists, but there are Freemasons in my town. <laughs> Okay, not quite the same. No, not, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> okay, not at all, really, I'm just going to say. They're not the same thing at no. all. Um, uh, also, uh, just uh, up the road from my friend's apartment uh, is also an old church that belonged to slaves that lived in this area. The church is still standing. You can go inside of it. The car was not a ghost car and uh, had an alive person driving it. Because according to Stormy, I got towed the next day. Anyways, I have a story to share with you about an old house I lived in. It's a long story, so I'll try to shorten it. When I was four years old, my family moved from Los Angeles in a town about 30 minutes north of Dallas uh, to a town about 30 minutes north of Dallas, Texas. We moved into a beautiful home that was huge and even included a swimming pool. It had extremely high ceilings, making it easy for sound to carry. For the first couple of years, everything was normal until I was six. The bathroom that I was in is between two rooms, my room on one side and an empty room that we used for storage on the other. I was uh, taking a bath and the door to the storage room was open. When I looked up to see a girl who I described as my age, had a high ponytail but no features, no eyes, only a bump where her nose should have been. She seemed to have a blue glow 
The spirit was only there for a second before disappearing. I called my mom and explained to her what I had seen. My mom passed it off, saying I was probably my imagination. I was a creative child and did have uh, countless imaginary friends, but I knew that this was not one of them because I could choose when I wanted to see them. That's interesting. Yeah. Being able to choose to see your imaginary friends in itself doesn't make them so imaginary. No, it does. Uh uh-uh. uh. To being to being able to be able to choose when you see your imaginary friend. That's purely imagination at work. I played imagination a lot. Uh-huh. I never actually conjured up in my eyesight what I was imagining. Okay. Like if I was imagining and pretending I was playing cooking okay mm-hmm. i'm just in my my little kitchen set or something and i'm making a cake mm-hmm. i'm not seeing the cake okay um if i'm doing the uh, the fake news on my fake news set as a kid and i have a camera person and there's a news anchor over there and i'm doing the weather and i'm pretending these people are my imaginary friends and then they're i'm not actually seeing them even if i want to i i i don't Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, anyone else out there wants to, to chime in on this, but when you're playing with an imaginary friend, it's not a visible thing. If it's, if it's purely an imaginary friend. I think if you're seeing your imaginary friend, no longer imaginary. No, I think it's imaginary because she okay. could control when she saw them. So she had all the control there. That was not okay. something that was paranormal. Maybe it's just some people have more power to project those sort of things into their yeah. sight line, if you will, than others. You know, maybe they have a mental image of what they think that sure. that imaginary friend looks like. And they, you know, maybe don't actually see it, but they can imagine okay. that image there with them. So okay. there's there's a difference. If she has the control on that, that's not paranormal. Because okay. obviously paranormal's beyond our control. Sure. I just... I, just the idea of being able to decide when I want to see this imaginary, uh-huh. no matter how much I wanted to see it, never going to see it. Okay. I mean, I, I could like have an, an idea in my mind of what it would look like if I were to see it. Sure. But I'm never going to see it. Yeah. That's just how I, I'm, I don't know. It, I it, think that's just maybe how you were. Okay. I think there's quite a few of us that saw our imaginary friends, but some had control and some of us didn't. And you didn't. It just, no. did it just show up at. He came when he wanted to. Yeah. That's interesting. But he was always there. Sure. Interesting. Okay. I just wanted to chime in because I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah. I okay. think you might be in the mino- minority okay. there. I'm interested to hear. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, you, I'm not saying that, that uh, right or wrong. I'm just, I'm interested. I want to hear what other folks think. Regardless, that's yeah. what she used to okay. differentiate between the paranormal activity and the non-paranormal. Okay. Interesting. That was my first paranormal experience. Fast forward to when I was eight. My parents were getting a divorce, and we all took it kind of hard. My mom took me back to California to stay with my grandmother for a couple of months until we had to go back to Texas. When we got back, there was some mysterious blue writing on the walls. It was very faint and barely visible, but from what we can make out, the lettering was not in English. My mom thought that someone might have come in and spray-painted the wall, but... Over time, the writing vanished all on its own. On top of that, my dad, who was house-sitting, never saw it. 
To this day, we still do not have any clue what it could have been. Ever since it happened, I started to have what my mother calls night terrors. Wake up in the middle of the night, thrashing around and hysterically crying. Whenever mom came to calm me down, I'd scream at her saying things like, Stop hurting me or leave me alone. Once she recorded me to see what would happen, and I screamed at the top of my lungs with a strong conviction, Put the camera down! The next day, she told me about it, but I didn't recall anything about that night. In fact, I never remembered having the night terrors. At my dad's apartment, I had only strange dreams. At my mom's, the nightmares got worse. I can't recall what they were about, but mom says that it was about people trying to hurt me. I also started to sleepwalk. I'd walk down from my room, which is on the second floor, all the way down to uh, the, either the living room or my mom's room. The activity got worse as well. Started to get scared of going upstairs for what seemed like no reason. To get me to sleep upstairs, mom would sleep in the guest bedroom, yet to no avail. Started to hear weird noises and see shadow people. They'd only last for a second before disappearing. The activity reached its maximum when I was 11. My grandma Marge moved in with us, and I guess that increased the activity. I started to see and hear more and more things. Eventually, we decided that we should find a new place. I thought it would be a cute idea to have a little sleepover before we started to pack. A group of about five of my friends attended. Three of my friends slept in the playroom that was next to my room, and my friend Erica slept in my bed with me. Sometime late at night, my friend Taylor woke me up, saying that she saw a face in the window. She pulled me over to where she saw the face and said it looked like a boy from our school. The following morning, Erica told me that at one point I grabbed all the covers while sleeping, screeching, No! 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 Finally, we moved out of the house and into a smaller home five minutes away. My mom and grandma eventually confessed to hearing noises, footsteps, toilets, and showers going off in my room, even though I was at my dad's house. Mom even told me that on the last night she was there, she heard footsteps upstairs. She thought it was the cats, but they were in her room the entire night. Then she thought it was my grandma and I, but we were at our new house. I still have nightmares about my old home. In most of them, there's a demonic spirit, and it's my job to cleanse the house. The most recent one was a different. My dream actually took place last night, and it started off pretty happily. Although I can't remember much, there was supposed to be a group of people coming over. One of them was a little girl. I was playing with her, and she got her finger cut. I tried to get her to clean. Uh, to I tried to get her to clean her wound, but she refused. Getting creepier and creepier. Eventually, her hair turned black, her skin a sick white, nearly gray, and completely black eyes. The girl started to get more violent with me, so I called my dad over. Then, out of nowhere. I had a vision that she was going to push me down the stairs. As soon as the vision faded, she did just that. I fell down straight on my back when the little girl started to slither towards me. When I say slither, I mean she was on her stomach, hands in both sides, chin sticking out just like a snake, and heading in my direction. Thankfully, I woke up immediately after that. I'm pretty sure that whatever the hell that resides in my former home isn't good in any way. I would have to agree. I just think from what she actually saw and the night terrors and everything, it sounded pretty bad. Yeah, and the fact that we actually had a, you know, kind of a, a two-sided thing here where she was sleeping in different places or at a different place and wasn't experiencing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Something to do with the atmosphere was truly at play there. 
And I think it was probably... I would imagine it was probably something separate from the parents splitting up. Mm-hmm. That probably didn't help. Sure. But that may have also been a byproduct of something in this house. Yeah, I, it, it's very interesting. I, I mean, assuming there was nothing else traumatic going on with her, mm-hmm. I would certainly lean that this would be something paranormal within that house. I think so, too. You know, very much so. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, consider supporting it. Become an EPP. Get 30 bonus episodes of the show sent right to you right away. Sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Here's another letter. My grandfather, my mother's father, died a few years ago after a short illness, leaving his family devastated. My mother, who has been particularly close to her father, was most distressed when he passed. A short while after he died, my mother was sitting in the kitchen one evening, just watching television and feeling very lonely, when there was a knock at the back door. Before she could answer it, the door opened and her father walked in. Dressed in his habitual overcoat and hat, she was stunned into silence and couldn't say anything as he told her that he was very happy and not to worry about him. He told her everything was fine and to go on with her life. Before she could reply, he simply vanished before her eyes. She said that although she was afraid, she felt better afterwards and that she could move on from her grief. He never appeared again, and we all assume that this is a sign of his happiness and commitment in whatever place he has passed to. Oh, I'm kind of glad that they got that final closure to know that he's okay and that there is something that is waiting for us beyond Mm -hmm. death. But I think I would have shit a brick if somebody I loved who had died came waltzing in the back door just like everything was normal. Hey, how you doing? Hey, are those scones? Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are, but you're dead. Right. Yeah. I, I couldn't handle that. As much as I'd love to see the person, I... I I, I don't. I think by the time my and this seems to be the case so many times. By the time your mind wraps around what the hell's going on, they're gone. Right. So you can't like get those extra words out, or like even if you had something else you wanted to say, the time it would take to calm yourself down. It just you're being human, and just the adrenaline rush that I'm sure would hit you, which would block out anything as far as logical thinking goes. Uh, by the time that's down, they're already gone, unfortunately. But don't you think that's part of the design of the visit after a loved one has died is to get you to shut up and hear what they have to say? Yeah, it's not so much about interjecting your thing. It's right. about them saying their peace to you. Right. Other, the, it seems the most peaceful way of doing this is in a dream. Yes, but then you can also write it off. Those who sure. know that that could possibly be something more than a dream, maybe that's, you know, may, like we get stories yeah. like that all the time. Maybe that's just what they need. But I think there's some people that they're going to write that off as just a wacky dream. They usually have weird dreams or mm-hmm. they dream about loved ones, especially after a loved one's just died. But I think if you scare somebody into being quiet long enough to hear what you have to say, maybe sure. that's how you have to get that message across. I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think, too, on the dream thing, I think some of it is real. I think some of it is being able to have that conversation back and forth. I think some of it is just purely our imagination sure. and what we'd ideally like to do. However, I do think both ends of it have the same therapeutic value. Yeah. Just as, you know, 
whether or not you actually talk to the person, it's sort of like writing the letter to someone and never delivering it. Yes. It's the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can still walk away from that experience going, at least having some sort of closure. Right. If you will, if there was something open with that person, you know? Yeah. So interesting, uh, interesting story. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. Uh, big fan of the show. You know, been listening since uh, you guys kind of first started, even before Jenny uh, came in. Anyways, I was listening to a past episode. Um, uh, there was a girl named A. And I believe it was her second story, the one where she was uh, running from a demon and she uh, fled to the cemetery. But anyways, your question was, why is the cemetery, uh, you know, like a safe haven? Well, believe it or not, coming from a very uh, superstitious and spiritual background, uh, from my knowledge is that Believe it or not, cemeteries are actually holy ground. Why you ask is, well, it, it, it goes back to uh, colonial times or even like, you know, European, you know, old European times. Uh, whenever you see a cemetery, it's usually by a church or anything. Well, uh, whenever, you know, when you go to funerals and stuff, you see, you always, um, you always had the priest pray over, you know, the, the deceased. And whenever you have a blessing, it's just like a blessing for exorcism or blessing for, you know, baptism or whatever. A blessing is actually, it's actually positive energy. That That's what it is. And just like the opposite of like a curse, is also as well, you know, is negative energy. So whenever you have positive energy, like you, you got, you got all that positive energy just in that area. And through that blessing that, that there becomes holy ground. So that's why when a was, uh, when she was running and she fled to the cemetery, that whatever that was, that demon or that negative demonic force, could not cross that line of that gate, even though it was just a, it was just a chain gate or whatever iron fence. They could not cross that because of the because of that blessing that is set upon. Um, so I hope that kind of like answers that. And hey, if you're listening, you know, like, hang on and whatever it is you're meant for. Like, just hang on. Like, the answers that you're that you have questions for, it will show itself. Everyone in this life has a purpose. Everyone in this life has a mission. It's not always revealed to you at first, but like, it will soon come. So just stay strong, stay positive. Like, what you have is not a it's not a burden. It's not a curse. It's a blessing, and it's a gift, and you gotta use that. So, yeah. Uh, so, thanks, guys. Um, you know, really love the show. Uh, keep up the good work and everything. Thanks. Bye. 
Thank you for calling in. Thanks for the insight and thank you for the advice to uh, one of our uh, other listeners. I love our community. They're so supportive of each other. But I think that's very interesting about cemeteries being, you know, hallowed ground. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that is kind of a safe place for A, that makes a lot of sense. And I had seen that in a couple movies where cemeteries are a safe place that certain things can't touch but i didn't know how much of that was hollywood or how much of that actual had some you know history to it and some folklore there yeah it's interesting to hear how some of the the semblance of that is actually grounded in reality Mm -hmm. um you know in actual traditions and cultures and beliefs and everything usually if you dig deep enough on some crazy you know even the craziest of movies and and weird concepts you're like where the hell they come up with that if you dig deep enough, you can usually find some speck of of reality where that idea may have come from. And then, you know, went in line with 42 different producers and all these different sure. rewrites and rereads. So we're going to do this and change that. And it gets completely bastardized. But there's usually a speck somewhere. That it wasn't necessarily their original thought. That there's a history to where that yeah. thinking came from. There's never an original thought. No. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I, I, I'm not joking. I mean, I am dead serious. Over the next 10 years, if you're an avid listener to this show and you are also a big horror movie fan, I like horror movies. I don't watch them all that much. I mean, I just don't. I don't know if I have a lot of time to do it. I don't really get into a whole lot of B or C horror movies. Every once in a while, I don't mind it. But I can mark my words. We are going to find so many horror movies in the next 10 years that are based on our calls and our letters that have a... Somebody's going, oh, this is just, it's really similar to a call you had on the show. Yeah. When you start noticing it, for, for, for movies that are coming out from here forward, let us know. I'm not, it's not because I'm going to go, ah, oh, you stole the idea. No, I'm just curious. I could care less. Sure. There's no, I don't hold no rights to these stories, you know, other than our, us reading them. But it's, we don't, you know, it's just stories. But I know we have people, we've been told we have people who work in the industry that listen to our show for ideas, writers and such. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to hear some of these concepts come out there. I personally cannot wait for the zombie ghost clowns. Yeah. That's my favorite. Or when they finally do the miniseries on Richard and Chattanooga. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. And I, too, my friends, am very curious. I have zero idea whatever happened with that. Yeah. He kind of dropped off the face of the earth as far as the calls go. Um, some people were kind of calling out some similarities in his story to some other, was it writings or other stories? It was something. Other stories. So I don't know. I know it freaked me out a little bit because there was a lot of weirdness going on there and some of the sounds on those calls. I can't say either way because I have no idea if any of it was staged or real. We take everybody out there you know, for what it's worth. So I, I still kind of feel like there, it was real. I, I really do. Um, I do. And I, you know, honestly, there's going to be some similarities between his story and some other families that have gone through that because mm-hmm. he's not the first family who has gone through no. a demonic possession type situation i mean we have movies about that yeah so yeah saying that it's similar to some other stories you've heard yeah because that's kind of how that goes yeah 
I mean, that was a very, very intriguing and interesting story. If you're still out there, Richard, we, of course, wish you the best. And if you'd like to update us on your situation, we would be very interested in hearing it. So, um, you know, feel free to call in sometime. Actually, I'm thinking um, in the coming uh, weeks and months, um, I'd like to put together, because we've been doing the show now for more than a year. It's about a year and a half now. Yeah. And, and you've been on the show almost, almost a, a full year. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's been some interesting series of things that have, have occurred on the show or, 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 you know, consecutive callers, if you will, uh-huh. that have had some compelling stories. Richard being one of them. There was another caller we had. Um, uh, dishwashing lady, I believe is what we called her. Yeah. Um, who had the weird noises. I think her name was Kelly. Kelly, yeah. I, I like to um, I, I take a look back at some of those stories, and in a single episode, we could probably fill a whole episode with Richard Calls. Um, I'm going to go back through the archive one of these days, and I'm going to find the calls mm-hmm. in sequential order. And I even have, I know I have some unaired material from him that was... Uh, because when he was calling in, he kept getting cut off. Yeah. And that's not made up. I mean, that, that's one of those things that leads me to kind of think there's more to this than it being a hoax or something. And it was weird with his line. And there's material I've not even listened to because there's one day I got like eight calls in a row from him and it was him trying to just relay the same information. Mm-hmm. But every time he called, it was getting garbled or something was happening and finally by like the eighth call he got it all out and it wasn't just the phone system cutting out because he ran out of time sure it was something was happening so i have all those in my inbox saved i'm gonna go find these and i'm gonna do an episode uh not really best of but more so a retrospective and go in order well, and I think that would be good because I saw on the message board in the past, there's been quite a bit of interest in wanting to know the backstory sure. on some of these episodes. Yeah, because we reference them. Mm-hmm. So some of these stories that we still kind of reference because they were so compelling, watch for that in the coming weeks. I can't tell you exactly when we're going to do it, but it will be done. It will be a retrospective on some of those with some material you've never heard before from some of these folks. Um, and uh, it will literally be all in one compelling creepy as hell episode be good <laughs> so i think it'll be fun to do um so that that's uh that's uh, coming down the pike here shortly 855-853-4802 is our number at real ghost stories online that came to me this morning at around seven ten. the idea hit me you aren't even up by then yes i was no i was awake really i was i was sitting there i was just you know, messing around on my phone a little bit. I believe you were in the other room, and I'm like, I'm just trying to think of ideas for some kind of, you know, interesting, like a themed show or something special, other than best of things, mm-hmm. like when we have to go away or something and we need to, to have a, an episode yeah. out there rather than just best of callers. Um, like, what can I put together that's, you know, themed, some new material in there, but really compelling and fun? That's not just a repeat of information. Sure. Like, that would be fun. That would be really interesting. And then in between, new commentary, new thoughts. Year later, what do we think about that now? What do you think about this now? I think the scariest thing for me is going to be going back and hearing me a year ago when I have (laughs) no experience at all, which I have very little experience. A year's not much experience 
with radio and, uh-huh. and knowing what to say. But having like a month's worth of experience, I think that's going to be the, the most horrific <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> the scariest part of the story of the show, Jenny talking for the first time on the radio. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll just like take those pieces and, and analyze them and you'll be crying in the corner by the time we're done. Be great fun. Do we have time for one more call? Yes, we do. Hi. Uh, hey, guys. Um, I called a minute ago, and I think I went too long. I wanted to tell you I'm an EPP, and I listen to the show all the time. I thank you guys for uh, putting in the time to, to put it together. Uh, my story is more about my father. Um, I'll try to make it snappy because I don't don't know how long the, uh, the voicemail goes. But <clears throat> he's had uh, three instances where a guy that as he describes, looks like Colonel Sanders, and by that he means a white suit, beard, white hair, has shown up in the doorway of his bedroom in the middle of the night. Uh, One time he had a a dog with him, a small dog, just like he was checking in. Um, The last time he showed up, my father says that he smiled and nodded and turned and walked away. Um, The other weird incident is uh, a large white cat that has woken my dad up in the middle of the night. Uh, he doesn't own a cat. So we actually, I came over and took a flashlight and looked all through the house, looking for any evidence that a cat had been there. Uh, and I'm left with either there's a ghost cat in the house or my dad is, is absolute bonkers. Um, there are some other weird things. Um, I, I hear scratches sometimes when I go visit, but I, I can write that off and say it's something else. Uh, but this has been going on for a period of time. Uh, but even now, uh, the bed still shakes, he says. He actually feels like somebody stands on the bed or gets in the bed. He says he can even see handprints mash into the bed. Uh, and it still shakes. And I've, it really freaks me out. He seems like he's dealing with it okay. But um, I thought you guys might think it's an interesting story. Hopefully I got it in uh, in a quick enough period of time there. But uh, you can let me know what you what you think. There's some background to it. I have a couple of theories. Uh, we'll see what you got to say on the air and uh, take it from there. Thanks a lot. Be safe. I would love to hear more background on it. I think he wants to hear what we had to say before he's going to share that part. I think it's the colonel. No. I, I think he's coming back with a bucket of chicken. No, but you know what weird thing I think? I think that somehow the cat and the colonel... <laughs> are kind of the same connected energy they're somehow connected well he had a dog with him too yeah so i'm yeah I'm, i i kind of got i don't know why but i did kind of get the vibe it's like uh, i and don't know it's almost like a, a ghostly shapeshifter kind of thing but i was thinking you know since he was he was all in white mm-hmm. and then the cat was big and all in white i was thinking yeah. there's some kind of connection there i don't really know what i was honestly picturing old kfc commercials where it's the colonel like walking through the countryside with like a dog and a cat and you know, just kind of good old having a time with you know the animals and yeah that's kind of honestly <laughs> i'm thinking of the old ads that he used to be in um so i don't think it was the colonel but, no, but, no, yeah. but I'm wondering if it wasn't like a previous owner of the home. Sure. I, I could see that being the case. And that's not a magical guess. That's, you know, pretty pretty common that a previous owner that really loved his home to come back because he doesn't seem threatening at all. It's just like he's checking on things. And he's there with other things he loved, his pets. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything. 
I once had a paranormal experience not that long ago when I was going through the drive-thru at a KFC. You did not. I did. And I looked at the menu, and there was an item that was on it that had gone away a long time ago. It's called the Chicken Little. Okay. And it showed back up about two or three years ago. Why is this paranormal? Because it had gone away in like the 80s. And I love, it was like, it was this little tiny chicken sandwich. It was like on a King's Hawaiian type size bun. I loved it. Like we were a quarter back then. I used to like, when we go to KFC, we went to KFC a lot when I was a kid. And my parents would be like, here's a quarter. You can go order it. And it was so cute. As a little kid going up to the counter and, can I have a chicken little? You know, and I get the quarter and they give me a chicken little. Uh-huh. It's delicious. A little mini sandwich. So I was so excited when I saw it. I'm like, oh my God, it's back from the dead. So I order the chicken little. Yeah. And I get it. And it had shape-shifted. It was now like a chicken strip on like a large bun. It was not little. By any, I mean, it was like chicken obese. It, it totally... Chicken obese. It totally, totally ruined Chicken Little for me forever. It was not the Chicken Little of days gone by. That is not a paranormal story. That is just a bastardized chicken sandwich. That is all that is. <laughs> That might be one of the funniest things you've ever said on the show. That is not paranormal. That is just a bastardized chicken Okay. Let's do another ghost story. Morgan in Tennessee. Hi. Hey, this is Morgan from Tennessee again. Um, I have more of a statement more than a story, I guess. I do have a few stories, but I'll call back with those. Um, I'm, I am probably really, really far behind on some of these episodes because mine just shuffle. But I had recently listened to one of the podcasts where you all were wondering if, I think it was The Exorcist that was based on a true story. And um, I was going to call and say it is based on a true story, but the only difference really is that it was based on a boy instead of a girl. That's the true story. Um there's also a few other movies based on true stories, such as The um, Exorcism of Emily Rose. I know that's based on a true story. And I also noticed the other day that you all were talking about, um, <laughs> I think it was like the smell of vision or something, and you were talking about the smell of rotted flesh and bodies. Um, here in Tennessee, we have this thing we like to call a body farm. And I don't know if you know what it is, but I live very close to Knoxville. And in Knoxville, Tennessee, we actually, it's right where my sister works. My sister works at the University of Tennessee Hospital. And so I go there very often to see my sister and for doctor's appointments, obviously. But um, literally right behind the hospital, uh, they have a what they call a body farm where they throw a bunch of dead bodies. <laughs> literally, you just go into the woods and there's a bunch of dead bodies just laying around there. And during the summer when it gets hot out, <laughs> it stinks so bad. Um, they did put it back there because it's for uh, scientific purposes. Like, that's where they would train, like, CSI uh, people and everything, uh, detectives. They use that place so they can um, kind of figure out, I guess, how the people have died 
or how long they've been placed there. Like they'll place the bodies in water and then they'll have to come in and say, you know, how long has these bodies been in this water for? So it's all for, you know, it's for a good cause, it's for a good purpose, but it's actually very, um, very stinky during the summer. And um, there's only two in the world right now, I believe. And one is luckily here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the other one, I believe, I could be wrong, but I want to say Japan or China. But like I said, I could totally be wrong. Um, but we are actually getting another one very, very close to Knoxville, which driving distance is about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I say. Driving distance, we're getting another body farm in a Jefferson City, Tennessee. They haven't um, put it up yet, but they're getting another one for the Carson Newman University. So now we will have two body farms within an hour distance of each other. <laughs> Just wanted to call and tell you guys that. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. I think that that's... I'm surprised that they have really announced that they're going to do a second one because that's one of those things that they try and keep it kind of an undisclosed location. Of course, <laughs> you can smell your way to it, I'm sure. But I th- I think really and truly that they try to keep that kind of a secret because people will get in there and do weird things well, to bodies. Now everyone knows. It was just talked about on their show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that's a secret. I mean, I I learned about the one there in Knoxville through a like a kind of documentary type video that mm-hmm. I watched in my college anatomy class. Sure. So that I knew kind of existed. I forgot it was exactly in Knoxville. But as far as seeking those things out, there's people that'll do things like that. Business idea. Here we go. Kay. Ready? This is uh, it. Could be a fun type thing. Body farm and pumpkin patch together where <laughs> you can take the kids out amongst the bodies, pick the pumpkins. Hopefully they grab the pumpkin. <laughs> That's gross. I think the smell of a rotting pumpkin is bad enough for me, let alone it being right next to a rotting hitchhiker. Or that something. is just disturbing. Yeah. I've, I, I honestly, I was unaware that these things existed until I saw it was on something. It was some like documentary CSI type thing. And that's exactly, she was exactly right. That is what they use them for. And it makes sense. I mean, you do need training for that field. Sure. Um, it's just one of those things you never really think of. I think a lot of people have the, the notion that, well, they must learn this thing just on the job. And there's a lot of learning, obviously, that goes on on the job in that sort of a field. But there needs to be that sort of a starting point, though, too. Well, sure. And, it, you know, a big part of that, as far as the the crime scene forensic part mm-hmm. of it, is the etymology yeah. of how you know, what in will infest a body at yeah. what point to determine sure. how long it's been there. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting. When If you decide to donate your body to science, can you like specify where it goes? Can you I say, don't think so. Say, okay, you can have me, but I want to be on the body farm and I want to be in this position. I think it's the ultimate crapshoot. You're either sliced up and on display or you are on a table in a college class or you're in a body farm. I think if you had, if you wanted more people to donate their bodies to science, you give them the option of where to put the body. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious. If you could like have a choice, although you probably have like certain things that would like get overrun. There's too many bodies wanting to go to this or that. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, I think you would have more people going, oh, I kind of like that idea. I don't want somebody coming out and checking me every six weeks to see how big my maggots are. I wouldn't want that. I would want to go to, like, cancer research or something. Sure. Something that would actually help people. I mean, although this does help. I mean, it helps solve crimes. So, I mean, I can't say, I didn't mean to disparage it, but you know what I mean? Like, medical research is where I would feel if I were to do that. I don't feel that. This is medical research. In a way, yes. You're right. You're exactly right. I want to be a zombie. So <laughs> that's I need to be. Well, that's probably your click it, quickest way to get there. At some point, though, what do they do with the bodies at the body farm once they're done? They eventually bury them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're not savage. They they yeah. bury them. Okay. And do the right thing. I mean, at the end. Okay. Learned so much today about body farms and yeah. chicken sandwiches. If you like the show, please consider supporting it. Become an EPP. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. We love doing this show, and we'd love to keep it going. Until next time, for Jenny Brisky, I'm Tony Brisky. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.